0: The Last Supper and the Holy Shroud, a holy week meditation by Father Daniel Couture. In this series of three meditations, Father demonstrates how the Holy Shroud links the Last Supper, the burial of our crucified Lord, and the resurrection in an amazing way. May they help you know better our Lord in His Passion and thereby deepen your love for Him. Part 2 The Shroud Present at Holy Thursday
1: I'm Father Daniel Couture. I would like to meditate with you The Last Supper, this is the second part of a three-part meditation. After eating the Paschal lamb, our Lord moved with his apostle either to another room or to another table that was prepared for the big banquet, the Easter dinner. For us it would be like a Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner. Now, first question is, what was the shape of that table? We represent in the uh, Leonardo da Vinci image the one straight table. But recent studies of the Holy Shroud tell us something else. Dr. John Jackson, who is the world specialist of the Holy Shroud, has identified on the Shroud some a few years ago a little detail, or at least five little details which indicate to us what was most likely the table of the Last Supper it was a triclinium a triclinium is is a big square U and you had five people on the two legs and three people in the middle and how do we know this because there are different theories about this we know this from what we see on the Shroud because on the Shroud Dr. Jackson has identified Five stains, five set of stains, which are a Jewish sauce. It's called a charoset sauce, a mixture of apple, wine, and nut. So, if we look at the shroud, you see on the right, near the two patches, you have two little stains. There's two there. You have two below the next patch. You have two stains on the edge. You have, right in the middle of the shroud, there's a whole train of stains. Clearly something has dripped. There is one set of stains behind me and at the other end, we see also, just below the patches, a little bit to the left, another set of stains. That is not blood. That is the charoset, the sauce. And under... Ultraviolet, they reacted just like uh, it's made of nut. So, what is food stuff doing on a burial cloth? Well, Jackson has proven that the shroud was a cloth, a tablecloth, an ordinary cloth. It was not a burial cloth. It was a tablecloth. So, obviously, the shroud—they did not eat on the shroud or have the Jewish. Uh, passover on the shroud after the passion so these stains must have arrived before good friday i will tell you more later on but the fact that we have five sets of stain at equal distance corresponding perfectly to the position of five people in a reclining seat position reclining on their left elbow and eating with their right hand That makes a lot of sense so this is triclinium you can look it up triclinium which is a common roman way of eating lying around this table so our lord moves to this table with the apostle they take their place and our lord waits till everybody is at his place and our lord goes to the kitchen and the apostles, you can imagine, the apostles wondering, where is there something missing? Because the table is all ornate, with ready for for the banquet. Our Lord comes back with an apron, with a jug of water, and a, a basin. With, did he start with Peter or with the other one? Hard to say. But he's going to wash the feet of the apostle. They're stunned. It's the greatest act of humility our Lord ever did with the Apostle. This is something the slaves would do. This is something that never the father, the mother, the the landlord, especially in these these countries, we see that in uh, in non-Christian countries, humility is not known. Humility is a Christian virtue. We have to remember that. We have to live in pagan countries. In Asia, we see that. To humble oneself is degrading. You don't do that. But here our Lord came to teach us something. Learn from me that I am meek and humble of heart. So, our Lord washes the feet of the apostle. He comes to Peter. Peter says, refuses. Lord, let me do it. I will do it. You will never wash my feet. And Jesus says, Peter, let me do it. And Peter said, never, Lord, never. And Jesus says, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you will not have part with me in my kingdom. And then Peter just turns around and swings the other side. Okay, my Lord, just wash me the whole, the head, everything. No, Peter, he who is clean needs only his feet to be washed. The apostles are stunned by this act of humility. Our Lord goes back to the kitchen and he comes back. He takes his place. You call me Lord and Master and you're right, for so I am. If I, therefore, your Master and your Lord, have washed your feet, you must wash one another's feet. What does that mean? We're touching here the very the very core of the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. If God has forgiven us our sins, we must forgive others. That's Christian life. We cannot expect God to forgive us if we are not willing to forgive it's so important that Jesus put that in the Our Father. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. In the Our Father, it's almost the measure that God will forgive us is the measure that we forgive others. It is as we set the measurement. Actually, we find in St. Luke as well that we will be judged. God will have mercy on us in proportion to the mercy that we will have shown to others. That's important. So our Lord has washed our souls by baptism through confession so many times God has forgiven us by making an act of contrition God forgives our sins with the desire to go to confession when we have a chance. So that's how this second part started. A lot of emotions among the apostles. They say the prayer the meal goes on. This is more festive time now. And they eat the apostle, drink some wine, and they probably crack some jokes, whatever. They're fishermen. They never forget they're fishermen. They're ordinary folks. At one moment, later on in the in the meal, Jesus becomes very solemn. Actually, before telling you this, I have to add a detail on the position, the places that each one held at the table. So, the triclinium, this square U, where is the most noble place? Where is the place Jesus must have taken? In view of the washing of the feet, which was the greatest act of humility. In view of... Jesus always putting Peter first, putting Peter at the top, putting Peter at the head of the group. According to Dr. Jackson, Jesus put Peter at the lowest end, on one end of the leg of the U, and Jesus himself took the last place. So it was a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. So Jesus took the last seat, Next to him was John. So Peter is across and Jesus is there with John. We know John is there because he will, in a moment, he will roll and fall on our Lord's chest. Our Lord is on his left elbow so John just has to roll and his head will come on the Sacred Heart. That's the position. Where is Judas? He's somewhere in the middle. So after having let the apostles eat bit and drink and Jesus... Says something that there's a kind of a silence. There's a moment where they stop talking and, and all the looks go to our Lord and he says, one of you will betray me. The gospel tells us the reaction of the apostles. What? There's a traitor? There's a traitor here at this table? One of us is going to betray. What is very beautiful as well, it shows that the apostles had already learned a lot from our Lord, the reaction of all the apostles was, is it I, Lord? Is it I? Everyone thought himself capable of betraying our Lord. Very interesting. Very interesting. St. Paul will speak about that later on when he says, if you think you stand, be careful lest you fall. Let him who thinks he stands, beware lest he falls. Caveat ne So, we must always keep humility. And even if things go well in our lives, we must always remember, without the grace of God, we can fall into all the sins. St. Augustine says, there's not a sin, there's not a sin out there that a man has committed, that we may be shocked at what other people may do. There's not a sin that a man has committed, that another man could commit without the help of he who made man. So Jesus has announced a traitor. that he has a thorn on his heart. Now watch the reaction. I just mentioned the apostle, each one thinks himself capable of that betrayal. John, who also thinks himself he's the youngest, John does not think of himself. John's first thought is our Lord Himself. In the tone of the voice, Jesus must have shown his his grief. It must be a broken voice. One of you will betray me. There must have been something that the, the Gospel did not record. But if you see the reaction of John, John who was in front of Jesus just rolled on himself and landed on the chest of our Lord. He who leaned on the chest of Jesus. John himself will say, the disciple who leaned over onto Jesus' chest. The first concern of John is to console our Lord. There will be a betrayal Later on, he will understand even the Psalms. It was written in the Psalms. He who eats bread with me at the table will turn his heel against me. It was prophesied. Jesus had announced it many times. But they still did not know who it was. But John was not concerned about that. John was only concerned about the wound Jesus got. It was terrible the master who is so good, who went about doing good to everybody, who cured the lepers, even without them thanking him, who cured everybody, who did so many miracles, who always forgave. Jesus is wounded. So John has turned on on himself. Now where's Peter? What is Peter doing? So if you remember the you, so Peter's on the other side they're all at their place out of respect. They don't get up. They, just don't, they don't start walking. They just remain at their place looking at each other. But Peter is looking at John because John has moved and according to whatever position John had, there's a moment where Peter saw the eyes of John. Their, their looks crossed. And it's John himself who says in the Gospel, Peter made a sign to John to ask our Lord who it was. So Peter said, you ask him. Ask him. And why did he make a sign? Because he was on the other side. The hypothesis of Dr. Jackson are rooted in observation and trying to reconstruct the scene. So Peter makes a sign to John. John is obedient. And John knows Jesus has given the authority to Peter. He's going to be the the assistant the vicar of christ and john who's just close to like a child on the chest of his father john says who is it lord he will ask the question a frightening question and now this is where dr jackson comes up with a very interesting hypothesis he says it's a hypothesis because he has analyzed the shroud every square inch of the shroud, the surface and the inside of the shroud. And there's some details, like these drops of a Charosette that have to be interpreted. What is that doing there? So, Peter's on one end, Jesus is on the other end. Now, this is how Dr. Jackson reconstruct the moments that followed. So John asked Jesus, who is it, Lord? And Jesus answers John. He will not answer the others. All the others have asked, is it I, Lord? Is it I? Jesus did not say, even Judah said, is it I? But Jesus did not answer. He will answer John. If you want your prayers answered, be like John. Console the sacred heart. Be a soul of reparation. Be a consoling soul. That's what Our Lady of Fatima asked, as in the Immaculate Heart, to console the Immaculate Heart, but to console the Sacred Heart. Remember the angel at Fatima, holding the Holy Eucharist, dripping in a chalice, okay? He told the children, console your God, horribly outraged in the sacrament of His love. So, John asked the question, the, the question which depending on the answer, if, whether he's going to answer or not, could end up in a murder. If Peter found out who it was, he could have tried to kill the murderer to prevent, to save the life of his master. And so according to Dr. Jackson, at this moment, or a few moments later, in a very skillful way, Jesus let the apostle talk and then he says, Judas, come here. And Judas gets up and he walks around the table and he ends up at the end of the table which would be next to Jesus, which would be the end of this side. Why do we say this? Why does Jackson says this? Because there are, on the end of the shroud, on that end, there are another set of drops going outward. Why do these drops go outward? People are eating the food towards their mouth. Why is why is drops going out? Because St. John says, so Jesus called Judas, Judas came, and as he was walking towards John, Jesus whispers back to John, it's him to whom I will give the piece of bread. And very very natural, very casually, Jesus takes a piece of bread and, and gives it to Judas, and he says, whatever you have to do, go and do it quick. And Judas walks out. So according to Dr. Jackson, we could have on the shroud the drops pointing to the traitor. It's extraordinary. If if Jackson is right that this cloth was one of the cloth of that triclinium of that last supper table, it's extraordinary. It adds a whole dimension. To the cloths, we will see as we speak of the, the shroud itself and the Holy Eucharist in the second part. So this is the the second part. I would like you to meditate on because it's worth thinking that there, there's a lot of things there. And remember, this is a preparation for the third part, whether the eating of the Paschal Lamb, whether it is the the washing of the feet. When we walk to the chapel to go to Mass, we take holy water, we bless ourselves. Why is there water there? The holy water is a sacramental. It washes away the little dust that uh, we have accumulated, these little venial sins, imperfections. But then we must approach the altar, the Holy Eucharist, with a soul willing to make reparation. Jesus died for us, but he died for sins. And sin is nasty. Sin hurts. Hurts the heart of God. Console your God horribly. The angel of Fatima used the word horribly. And there are sins we which we cannot describe because they're so horrible. But there are some that are just God alone knows. And Jesus knew. So let us approach the Holy Eucharist. Let us approach the consecration with that soul to unite to the cross but at the same time that soul to console the sacred heart because as our Lord revealed to St. Margaret Mary, he showed his heart wounded. So when we receive communion at Mass, we receive the sacred heart wounded. And so we must be like John. We must lean our heart and console him. Go and meditate a few moments on these beautiful, beautiful details of the gospel and let us try to apply them in our lives.
0: This presentation has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. For more resources regarding the Catholic faith and the message of Fatima, and to support this vital apostolate with a donation, please visit our website, www.fatima.org, or call us at 1-800-363-8160. So many souls need to hear these spiritual truths. In Christian charity, please share them with others, and may God reward you. Eternal Father, I offer Thee the adorable face of Thy beloved Son for the honoring glory of Thy holy name, for the conversion of sinners, and for the salvation of the dying. Amen.